So I think something kind of interesting, simply hearing the Our Father read slowly kind of gives you a different impression. Especially if you grew up and you're hearing it going quickly, you kind of get to the point where you actually don't really pay attention to the words. But actually if you hear it, it's just being a little bit different inflection, a little bit different sense of pause and timing, a little bit slower, kind of strikes you as something new, something fresh. And that was my intention here in reading it that way. Um, here we are today with our, our catechism with Chelsea, and she's memorized the Our Father. She's done a really good job. I've heard me boasting about her ability to memorize before here. And so she's she's done a really good job memorizing Our Father. But, uh, and that's really, that's key, it's essential. Uh, but there's also supposed to be an understanding of it, what its words mean. There's a story I read recently, and I don't know if it's true, it's not true, it should be. But anyways, it goes like this. A uh, long time ago, this is probably, I think it's in France, if I'm not mistaken, uh, probably in the 1800s, a lot of really devout French Catholics at that time who were having to deal with a lot of difficult issues with Napoleon and the fallout from the French Revolution and whatnot. This is the days of St. John Vianney, very great uh, French saint. In any event, there was an old man who, of course, is Catholic like most French at that time, and he uh, kind of got away from the practice of his faith and from the active participation in the life of the church. Uh, he moved into a new house. Um, he was older, retired, and his wife died. And uh, here he is all alone, kind of feeling lonely, so he decides to buy himself a pet. Now, at that time, there had been, in the 1800s, there had been some new explorations of these different exotic lands. And so it was the rave to actually get a parrot, to buy a parrot, okay? So so he he purchases a parrot to keep himself a little bit, you know, give himself some company, you know. It's easier to take care of than a dog, right? So he's got this parrot. And uh, the first night that he buys it, he's there in the evening, and he's kind of like, he's putting together the, scraping nearly the ashes and the coals from his fire, just kind of like, you know, putting the fire together for the, for the rest of the night. When he hears from behind him, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, our Father, who art in heaven. And the parrot proceeds to go through the Our Father, and then the Hail Mary, and then a few other night prayers, and then says, Amen. And he's like, this is, that's, a, that's amazing. And so he looks at, a little bit into the background of the parrot. Turns out the parrot's previous owners were this very, very devout family who said these night prayers every single night before they went to bed as they were stirring the coals of the fire and the ashes, okay? And uh, what was interesting, though, is that this, this parroting of the words was a means of grace for this man to come back and practice his faith. So at the end of his life, because he heard a parrot say these words that he remembered very well, because he had them memorized from the time that he was a kid, too, he said, you know, something stirred in his heart, and he, and he really came back practice of the faith. So I think it, in this situation, we really learn two things. Number one, it is important to know the words, just the words, just memorize them like a parrot. You just got to do that, okay? All right. But then number two, this man went through something that the parrot couldn't go through, right? Because he had a mind, the parrot didn't have intelligence like we as human beings have. So this man's mind and his heart were stirred to conversion to love to an interior understanding 
and relationship with God, unlike the parent. Okay, so that's the other side of the coin is that we have to take the words of the Our Father and understand what they're meaning. And in Jesus's days of his ministry, he walked on this earth. The what you know, his followers. Um, they were good Jews. They grew up from the time they were little kids, and they had their prayers that they learned, and they went to synagogue, and they were very religious. But when they began to follow Jesus, you have to understand, when, they're, when they were seeking from him, when they were saying, Lord, teach us how to pray, they weren't asking for yet one more prayer to memorize. It's not what they were asking. Okay, And that's not what Jesus was giving to them, because they knew how to do verbal prayers. They had been learning them since they were kids. But following Jesus closely for years, they saw a man who they thought no human being could be as close to God as this man. He's so close to God. And they would notice that in the nighttime, he would go up into the hills and he would pray all night long. All night long he would pray to God. And then he would come down refreshed not tired of looking, but joy in his face. And they would say, Lord, teach us how to pray. So we have to understand that's the context within which Christ gives us the Our Father. Okay? And uh, when he taught his disciples those words, they cherished them in their hearts. Of course, they memorized them word for word, okay, like a parrot. But they understood that those words had deeper meanings to what Jesus was telling them was that this is, this is the way, this is how to approach God. Approach Him as a loving Father. Now, in the Jewish religion, this is what was unique about Jesus. And one of the many things that was unique about Jesus. In the Jewish religion, they referred to God usually as, uh, as Elohim and Adonai, which is Jewish words for God, the Lord. Uh, very, very rarely would they ever refer to God as Father. The Old Testament very, very rarely refers to God as Father. Very rarely. But when the Son of God comes, the second person of the Trinity, who from eternity has a special Father-Son relationship within that mystery of the Trinity, he comes to reveal to us the Trinity. And in doing so, he comes to reveal to us this mysterious relationship between Father and the Son. And moreover, it's an invitation us to come into that relationship and to, like Jesus and the Father, be closer to God than we've ever been before, than human beings have ever been before. So he's saying, regard God as your Father. You are sons and daughters through baptism, and this is what Chelsea's preparing for. Baptism is going to grant to her the Holy Spirit of adoption. As we hear in St. Paul's epistles, he says, we've not received the spirit of fear, slavery, to fall back into fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption. By we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is, a, is an Aramaic word that Jesus used to speak, not the Aramaic, when he used the days of his earthly ministry, he spoke Aramaic. So Abba is a, is a title for God, and it means Father, but it kind of means more like Daddy. Okay, so it's a very, very intimate term, okay, to have Daddy. This is how Jesus is teaching us to relate to God. And Jesus himself used that word. So, for example, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was about to suffer, when he was about to go to the cross out of love for us, he fell on his knees and he said, Abba, if it be possible, let this chalice pass. So, but not my will, 
dying to come. You see how he's related to God, his father, his intimate daddy fashion. And he's saying, your will be done. This is what he's taught us now, our father. That God's will is first and foremost in our life. And his glory is first and foremost in our life. And then we pray for ourselves. We pray for our material needs. When we pray for daily bread, we pray for our spiritual needs above all. Forgive us as we forgive others. And when at the end of the Lord's Prayer we say, lead us not into temptation, what we're actually, it's sometimes temptation means two different things in the Bible. On the one hand, it means like this kind of a, a solicitation or an invitation to commit a sin, all right, that our own passions or the devil might put forward to us. But other times, temptation means you've already consented to the sin, you've fallen into the sin. And that's what it means in the context of the Our Father. So when we say, lead us not into temptation, we're not asking that we, we would never experience the solicitation of the devil or our own passions, you know, drawing us into sin. We're not asking that. That's impossible. That's like a stupid prayer. It's not going to happen. In this life, we will always experience temptation in that, in that sense. But what we're asking is saying, Lord, don't let us fall into sin. Don't let us consent to temptation and destroy the spiritual life that God, that you have given to us through baptism. It's a beautiful spiritual relationship that we have with God as our Father. And we don't ever want to lose that and compromise it. So that's what we're praying at the end of the Our Father. So we're very excited for, for Chelsea because we'll be receiving the spirit of adoption uh, at, during the Easter Vigil through the Holy Sacrament of Baptism. And I want to continue to encourage her to keep going forward strong. She's been doing a good job, and I, I trust that she's going to continue to do that. So at this time, let's uh, stand and we'll pray our special prayer.